movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like Lego bananas and ice cream and wedding cake. As always, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, how you doing today, my man? I'm not... I'm not quite awesome. Everything's not quite awesome. Not quite. But it's uh, awesome. it's it's really good. Not quite awesome. That's well. That's you know appropriate for for the Lego Movie too. Uh, then not everything is always awesome. Sometimes it's just okay, uh, which is like the theme of the film, oddly enough. Um, but yeah, that's what we're here talking about today. We're here to talk about the Lego Movie two, the second part. Uh, directed by Mike Mitchell, who's taking over the reins from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who still produced it, still wrote it. Um, coming off, you know, the original Lego movie, which was a massive surprise, and uh, a couple of the spinoffs, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Lego Movie 2 is really interesting So we'll just kind of get right into it In that, you know, the Lego Movie kind of came out of nowhere, right? I know that Phil Lord and Chris Miller And we'll talk about this a little bit later But they are, they get, they're in the habit of Spinning gold from garbage, I guess Uh, Taking ideas that really don't seem like they should work and finding ways to subvert them and approach them in really intelligent ways to make them work. Um, and the Lego movie was turned, you know, was no exception to that. Uh, when it was first announced, everybody was kind of like, oh, it's going to be cash grab. It's a movie based off of a toy and blah, blah, blah. And it actually turned out to be a really, you know, heartfelt and, and somewhat, you know, deep thinking film about creativity and relationship between fathers and sons and you know being positive and being awesome and that you know anybody can be special with when their imagination is 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 running wild all put together underneath the corporate slogan of lego you know which was i mean interesting it was a breath of fresh air it turned out to be uh really well received um, you have the box office stats on it, I believe, but I remember that it was famously not even nominated for Best Animated Film for an Oscar, which is still to this day one of the greatest like snubs, if you will, of, of Oscar history, oddly enough. Um, but how did it wind up doing in terms of – obviously it was a hit, right? Definitely was a hit. Open with sixty nine million, but you got to remember too, this was February, so you know. Yes, we had had Deadpool to a lesser extent. We had three hundred. We've had some. We didn't have Black Panther. We didn't have Black Panther yet. Um, so we had a history of like it not being that it's a complete, you know, wasteland of of box office performance. Sure, but sixty nine million, especially for a movie like this mm-hmm. uh, at least on on paper and as you said like it seemed a little bit like a cash grab because you have to remember too we had been getting lego movies for a long time right like there had been like, and video games yeah you've been getting video games and like little you know movies that are taking like the real movie and kind of incorporating it into legos sure um in some way um so we had seen it a little bit obviously this was a different approach this was 
you know, full on animating, you know, not just sticking strictly to the Lego right. uh, realm of just recreating real life with Legos. Right. This was creating a whole new like Lego world. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the way that it balanced like what was happening in like real life and what was happening in Lego world. Sure. Which was the big that was I mean, number one, it, it created original characters whilst yep. also bringing in numerous brands of other characters for sure and it, it, it had voices i know one of the big things that's always sort of drives me crazy about like the lego video games is how they they're basically silent films yeah um but yeah it, it incorporated the live action aspect in that everything that we were seeing was ultimately in the imagination of a kid who was projecting, you know, his relationship with his father, President Business, played by Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. And it was this really interesting theme of, like, you know, playing by the rules and, and following instructions and gluing your Lego sets together or letting your imagination run wild and being able to create cool, unique things, which is funny because Lego nowadays is in the business of creating like that hyper specific part yeah. for that one model. So yeah. it's it's always a balancing act. Yeah. And it did, you know, 257 million, 69 opening. I mean, that's a really successful animated film. Sure. It's a really successful on all terms. Uh, was well reviewed, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, obviously, this is the one of now four films that Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller actually directed right from since then they've taken more of a production uh, seat. Right. Uh, but this was the one that they directed. Right. They, and they, and I mean, then they spinned it off, you know, then they, Batman was such a success in the Lego movie, the character of Batman voiced by Will Arnett, they went and spun him off into the Lego Batman movie, and then they went and they made a Ninjago movie, and if my memory serves me correct me, um, or correctly, different directors each time, um, and not as successful, I remember Batman being more successful seemingly than Ninjago, I know that I certainly had more interest in the Batman Lego movie than I had in the Ninjago Lego mm-hmm. movie, despite the fact that they had, they still had, you know, A-list level voice talent that's approach or attached to them. Um, but I don't remember how how much money they did. Although I'm sure you use the stats. Yeah. So Batman um, was another February release. Oh, okay. And it was successful, not as successful, 175 million, 53 opening, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So across to the board, kind of your typical follow-up or spin-off, like a solid follow-up or spin-off. Sure. Usually they're not going to be quite as successful um, when it's a spin-off um, as the first. But right. doing 53 million for your opening in February is, is nothing to sneeze at. No. Um, Ninjago was the first um fall release so they moved that one to fall okay versus february so kind of got away from their typical release and it only made 20 million in its release 59 million overall um it's not and this great. is all domestic numbers sure um and it was a 56 on rotten tomatoes so didn't capture the magic yeah and and i forgot to mention too on batman the director that they had come in was chris mckay okay um had a little bit of a relationship with Lord and Miller already came from robot chicken background. Right. Um, so already had kind of that, um, I don't know if the right term for robot chicken would be meta like you have with this, but like <laughs> has that kind of adult 
animation style and 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 background for it. He hadn't really done much like outside of Robot Chicken leading up to Lego Batman. Um, and then with Ninjago, you got Charlie Bean, which everything that I see is his first uh, directing movie, um, at least of any note. Um, he comes from an animation background. There was actually three directors labeled on that, but he okay. was the only one with any kind of real history in there. All of them kind of were just from an animation background. Um, but he's also the one, interesting enough, Charlie Bean, who did Ninjago, is at least down right now to do Lady and the Tramp when it comes out. Oh, the Dis- Oh, yeah, they're well, that's a whole nother podcast, but they're doing a live action Lady and the Tramp remake for Disney Plus for their streaming service. Yeah. So that's not even going to get a theatrical release. It'll be a a Disney Plus exclusive or whatever. So okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. Those were kind of the names um and that rolled into this movie, um Lego Movie 2 that Thirty-four million dollar opening, which I think was surprising. Most most had it projected in the in like fifties, fifties probably. Yeah. Um, thinking that the first one went sixty-nine, Batman went fifty-three. It was getting really good reviews. Still is. It's ninety percent. I think last check on sure. Rotten Tomatoes. Um, back to that February release, mm-hmm. like uh, Lego and Batman. Um, Mike Mitchell is the director on this one. Um, still Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller being uh producers on it right um but mike miller actually had a fairly significant number of movies that he had done from a directing standpoint before this still a lot of animation background he was an animator on ants shrek 2 shrek third monsters and aliens okay um but he had directed movies like his first directorial debut was deuce bigelow Oh boy. oh boy. Uh, then he went to Surviving Christmas. From Humble Beginnings. Sky High, Shrek Ever After, after Alvin and the Chipmunks, SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, uh, Trolls, and then and now finally Lego movie. Movie 2. So That's so funny. Sky High is legit. Like Sky <laughs> High is great, but everything else on that filmography is not great. Gives me <laughs> not great. Um so it was interesting. Um Obviously, every movie, every one of these movies, they've gotten people with a pretty heavy uh, animation background, despite um, Mike Mitchell's first movies being non-animated movies. Sure. Um, Most of his background prior to directing was in animation. Um, Interesting. But we went back to the Emmett, Lucy and Friends storyline as well. And you know what? I could see this movie having legs. Um, Yeah. You know, it's got a wide base of appeal. Um, February... You know, despite some movies, you know, showing differently with Black Panther and Deadpool movies and stuff like that. February is still not a great time to release. Um, It's not a great time for, you know, people going to the theaters, um, you know. and, and, And so I think, you know, this is our the first one came out in 2014, right? Uh, yeah. And, so, yeah. and so this is our fourth one already in basically a little over four years. 20, wow, um, was it really all the way 2014? Yeah, I guess it was. So, I mean, it could be a little bit, too, of, you know, being worn out on on because it's a fairly specific niche. Like, um, you know, I think you expect this from the old school sure. Lego movies that we've talked about where it was just like every time they're coming out with something new or right. a new video game or that. Right. But with the movies, um, you think of traditional animation franchise like you think of Pixar. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they come out like with one 
a year. Yeah, but yeah. like that's a lot of work that goes into it and, and crank those out. Um, and you think, I think you saw it even with the Shrek franchise, like it got to a point after you got past like two and three, like it, you started to almost get like kind of burnt out on it Uh as well as like, how far can we go? And I think this one different to Shrek, like didn't sacrifice in quality, like Shrek eventually like storylines got a little worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. The quality got a little worse. Yeah. I thought this movie brought, you know, stayed on very similar, if not just as good of quality as the first. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, you, you, to avoid the larger conversation of like traditional sequel versus, you know, the ongoing sagas, which keep butts in the seats. You know, you look at like Marvel movies and you look at Star Wars movies, like the whole reason those keeps but those keep people bringing coming back is because they're telling, oh, it's the next you know, it's the next part of the story rather than just a new adventure. And there's a difference between those two. Um, this one actually, I think, does a pretty good job of continuing that story on in that the the first Lego movie ended with like the baby toys. I think they're called like uh, Diplo or Diplo or I don't I don't remember yeah. what the name of the baby toys are like. They're the ones who showed up. And then that's what this one leads into. I would say that the big thing missing out of this movie and it, it's of no fault of its own, but it's the element of surprise. You know, that's that's what the first Lego movie had that you know, in spades and that there was low expectations. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And it came in and, and really, really exceeded those expectations, just in overall storytelling quality, animation quality, quality all around. And I think the quality is still here, but you don't have that element of surprise. And they do lean a little bit, at least from what I remember. Um, I didn't watch the first Lego movie again before I saw this second one. But from what I remember, they lean a little bit more into the this is real life happening like they they flash to that a few more times and it's a little more overt and obvious than yeah. in the first movie yeah obviously a whole different you know whole different concept so i i hate to even compare it but it it my mind always immediately went to like princess bride uh, okay where like you go between worlds uh-huh. even though like in princess bride they have nothing to they're reading a story together right they've got nothing to do with each other whereas this like the stories are ingrained like you have like the lego world being impacted by what's happening in the real world right um the rules are a little unclear to me sometimes. they do they and i think that might be something that hurts this slightly like right. just a little bit like because in the first one like you said you you had very few flash flat not flashbacks but appearances in the real world right um there it was until the end it was it wasn't really till the end um this one they really tried to intertwine it right. a whole lot more um which immediately draws you to question like okay like how's these how do these two worlds fit together versus it being right. kind of like a reveal moment not right. that it was a fully reveal but um it made it a little bit like you start to question a little bit like okay how does this deal with this and all those types exactly of things. like and then again we, you know we're talking about the lego movie too here so it's it's ultimately not like the 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 most important thing in the world but it's important when you when you set up things like this um like in the first movie it posited that this entire world existed in the kid's head and that everything was 
um, made up, right? But there are moments where it is implied that the Legos are sentient, you know, Toy Story-wise. Um, there are moments where they actually move in the real world. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure how those things add up. I'm not sure how the universal math works from them being in space to them being underneath a washing machine and like, oh, I can move. You know what I mean? Uh, so that makes it a little bit difficult, you know, and that that's a little muddy, sure. Um, but again, everything about this movie is on par with the first movie. The animation quality in this film is really breathtaking. It, it might not be on the level of the first film um, because a lot of it takes place in space and space is just like a blank background that can be CG'd in. Um, but there are there were at least a couple times where I was like, is this stop motion? Like, is this real? The way the way that they animate the scratches and smudges and fingerprints on the Lego characters is really something impressive. You know, the way that they make water. Water is made of Legos and fire and dust. They do that a couple times in this film where it's like the dust is settling and it's Legos. That's really impressive quality there. Like, not for nothing, but it is it is a gorgeously animated film. And, you know, everything about it is, uh, is on par again. The voice acting is really great. Um, the songs are... The first one didn't have, like, a ton of songs. It really only had Everything Is Awesome. Um, this one has a few more. And they're all pretty catchy. You know, there was... I, I wasn't super stoked... There was something that took me out of the film about Tiffany Haddish voicing uh, the queen at first. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like, oh, that's Tiffany Haddish. Like, it's very, she has a very distinct voice. But when she got into her song about how she's not evil, I'm like, I'm into this. This is good. This is like a good, it's a good, like, poppy song. It's got a good beat to it and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I it's. I I enjoyed the I mean coming out of it and just like kind of getting into our thoughts of the film I would say I overall enjoyed it um, we'll talk about some of the jokes later on but the Lego movie maybe more so than any other movie animated or kid centric movie has uh, just a barrage of jokes that are kid focused and there are a barrage of jokes that are adult focused that I was like, I can't believe that's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think the thing about the Lego movies, and this was true about the first one and it's true about this one, is like it's so fast with some of these things. Like literally you could, you know, fall asleep for a minute and miss like three cameos and 14 jokes. Right. Like it's just like it's kind of one of those things where it's so like quick and the the only thing I can kind of equate it to in some ways and, and it's not even this fast and I think it's only can be this fast because it's animated um, would be something even like Deadpool in the sure. sense of how like it's super meta how <laughs> like you know you don't like that joke it's okay there's another one coming right behind it right like, so like you don't have like the feeling of like as much of like jokes that fall flat because they're just throwing like 
just hundreds of them just at hundreds you. Hundreds of them. Character there, and that's the thing. Like comedy is always really hard to judge, right? Comedy is probably the hardest one to judge. Some of my least favorite movies are comedies. And that's because comedy, more so than anything else, is based on preference, right? Yep. But something like the Lego movie has everything. It has, like, those dumb jokes that go on for way too long to the point where they become funny. It has really funny character moments. It has really funny bits of dialogue. It has funny visual elements to it. It, it has a little bit of everything in terms of humor. And you're right. It does have... You know, that's super there is a and, and we'll talk about more more about this in spoilers because there are a couple of really super meta moments in this films, a couple of big plot points that are super meta in this film. But obviously this is more kid focused and Deadpool is more adult focused. And so the question, you know, kind of comes to why why and again it just came out it's its first weekend you know who knows what kind of legs it'll have you know com, you know going back to what you said but despite that there is that wide appeal you know one cannot help but question why we get there's relatively universal appeal there's really good reviews and word of mouth so why was there a 50% drop in opening weekend box office you know, where's it's, the disconnect? Again, the only thing that I can think of is I I I, I honestly am am stunned at how uh, how little it did this week. But I mean, sure. the only thing I can think of is a little bit of like people being worn out. Like um, this is our fourth one in just over four years. Right. Um, the other two came both came out the same year. They both came out in 2017. Batman was good, not great, and Ninjago was eh, okay. So yeah. maybe, and and so I think maybe that like perceived down, well not perceived downturn, but actual downturn a little bit. Sure. Um, both in the quality of you know, you know the reviews and things like that of what it got, like maybe leading it to people expecting. The other thing I would say too, though, is I feel like, and I could be wrong. But I feel like this one was marketed a lot less, and and I don't have any evidence to to necessarily <laughs> specifically support that. But like, I feel like when the first Lego Movie came out, I saw it everywhere, and you had the "Everything Is Awesome" song, yeah, um, that was catchy, and that everybody you know mm -hmm. that was out there. Mm -hmm. um, this one, you know. While I follow Chris Pratt and, you know, he was doing a lot for it or around it. Sure. I don't feel like the volume of trailers, like, I'm trying to remember. I think there was only one trailer. I mean, they took over. There, like, was, there was a couple trailers. Um, I did see there was two trailers and okay. a teaser. They took over um, HQ. Like, they literally had uh, the HQ, the mobile game, the mobile trivia game. Yeah, so you they, wonder, because they did something like that, um, and I honestly don't remember seeing that many tr you know i watch a decent amount of tv sure you know on tivo but i'd at least see it fast forwarding through mm -hmm. um and i don't remember the volume of trailers and again some movies are advertised on channels that probably i don't watch but right. this movie being something that's expected to appeal not you know it didn't make 69 million the first time with just kids going and seeing this lego no, movie like not. it was the wide appeal um and so you'd expect it advertised on more you know mainstream or all appealing 
TV channels and things like that. And I just don't remember it. I don't know if you do, but I don't. Well, if anybody would have access to the channels that they're advertising it more on, it's probably you with the kids. I don't know if you even do you have like satellite or cable or whatever? I have cable. So like if they're watching, uh, uh, probably it's not going to be on the Disney channel. But if they're watching a kid's channel or Nickelodeon or whatever, you know, the odds are, you know, you got a Lego, you got a Lego movie commercial on there. I didn't see a ton, you know, honestly, if I, if, I mean, a little peek behind the curtain here, you know, you and I had the conversation of like, what movie are we going to talk about this weekend? Because on one hand, we got Liam Neeson and Cold Pursuit. You know, which definitely appeals more to our sensibilities. <laughs> On the other hand, you got the Lego movie, too, which we had both assumed was going to be big, big, big money. Not that, like, $36 million is anything to, like, sneeze at. Sure. But compared to the first, it, you know, it's 50%. You know what I mean? And we wound up picking this one, despite the fact that I think both of us were just like, well, it just didn't feel like it had the momentum. Sure. You know, and I mean, it's not like this is unprecedented. I think the reason why this felt like a surprise is because how well reviewed it was um, going into it. And, you know, the feeling of they're throwing even more, you know, big names at this. Sure. um, That are relevant. But you think of like Ted. Ted was a surprisingly super successful first movie. Right. Uh, Ted 2 did 85 million versus Ted 1 did 216. Sure. Um, but I think a lot of us would say Ted 2 was a step down quality-wise of, sure. of the first Comedies one. is typically that case. How many – you got a lot of comedies on that list? Yeah, like well, you got like Smurfs 2, um, which isn't a comedy but another animated one. Mm-hmm. Second one did 71 versus the first one did 142. Sure. Um, but even if you go back to um, – you know, like the Halloween movies. Um, Halloween two made twenty five million um, and thirty three million, which is less than the forty seven and and fifty eight. Sure, um, the first one. So sequels um, don't always make more. As a matter of fact, look at. I mean, you look at even the biggest franchises. There's the 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 drop off between the first and second movies is usually pretty big. And and maybe a good example too is another you know, childhood nostalgia uh, movie in the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. First one did 64 million. This one did 35 or right. the second one did 35. So right. um, it's, it's not unprecedented. I think you just thought like, okay, it's animated. Good check for getting the kids out there. We sure. haven't had a whole lot of like kids movies. Um, and maybe that's, you know, a reason like Lego movie pushes the boundary from like a kid's movie sure um with some of the adult content that's in there not that it's inappropriate and you'd be afraid to take your kid there but like it pushes the boundary a little bit um and and maybe that you know gives some of the really young parents like pause to taking their kid to a lego movie i don't know i don't know I, and and again it's like weird. you said it might have legs this weekend we have valentine's day weekend we got president's day weekend like I mean, and granted, there are a lot of movies coming out, you know, but there aren't many that are a direct, you know, competitor to to the Lego movie. There's no other kids movies coming out. So we'll see what happens. It's got to go up against Happy Death Day to You. It's got to go up against Isn't That Romantic. It's got to go up against Alita. 
Um, but again, nothing in there that screams take your kids to. Right. Exactly. So, so you know, what are the what are those, you know, married couples with kids going to do for Valentine's Day? Go. go to the Lego movie. I don't know. Um, so before we get into spoilers, let's give our popcorn ratings for it. Uh, as if you've never listened to this podcast before. We do ratings a little bit differently. Instead of giving it stars or thumbs up or whatever, we give it popcorns. We have five different popcorn ratings. We have burnt popcorn, which means garbage. Stay away from it. Like, if you got to watch it for free, go ahead. But boy, oh boy, it's not great. We have stale popcorn, which is, it's not the best. Probably don't pay money for it, but... You know, you might find things to like there. We have microwave popcorn, which is perfectly acceptable. It's fine. Your mileage may vary. It's not the best popcorn in the world, but even that, you know, that bag of good microwave popcorn can hit the spot every now and then. We have movie theater popcorn, which is pretty great. You should probably go see it in the movie theater at some point in time. And then we have perfect popcorn, which is go see this movie Get the biggest, best tub of popcorn that you can and enjoy it on the biggest screen that you can. So for this movie, I'm giving it movie theater popcorn. I mean, it's, uh, again, we spent most of this time talking about, you know, some of its faults and talking about why it wasn't as successful. And I think a big reason that we're talking about that is because it's a good movie. Like, it's funny. It's catchy. It's got a great animation style. It, it again, and we'll talk about more, we'll talk more about this in the spoiler section. It subverts the genre. It has deeper things that it's you know trying to address and things like that. And I enjoyed it. I chuckled a couple of times. There are a couple of jokes in there that there's one joke particularly that I almost choked, uh, which is saying something. That's that's a that's a big accomplishment. Um, so yeah, I'm giving it movie theater popcorn. I think that this is really enjoyable. I think if you like the first Lego movie, I think if you're a kid or you're an adult, uh, then you should go see it. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a good time. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, to me, it would be one of those four and a half ones for me, um, in the sense that it's sure. definitely movie theater popcorn and maybe slightly better than your, your average movie theater popcorn movie that we've talked about. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, if you enjoyed the first one, I see zero reason why you wouldn't enjoy the second one. Again, we we start to take a little bit further leaps in some of this world that we're in. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that that can maybe, you know, take it down a little bit a notch. But I mean, they ramp up the cameos, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the jokes are, are very Lord and Miller-esque. So if you like Lord and Miller... Um, I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a good time with it. Awesome, man. So yeah, so good time. Check out, I mean, check out, if, with spoiler free, you're going to enjoy it. It's a good time. Before we get into spoilers, though, we're going to take just a brief little ad break. All right, good movie buddies. Before we continue, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of this very podcast Delivered to you for free by hitting that subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So we super appreciate just taking like just two seconds wherever you're listening to us right now. Unless you're like driving in the car or operating heavy machinery. Just go to the podcast app. 
Hit subscribe. Give us a like. Give us a rating. We really appreciate it. Share us with all of your own good movie buddies. We want to build the good movie buddy community. Speaking of community, obviously, we want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and considering, you know, becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is that going to help us improve in, in all the different ways that we want to, but it's going to also get you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills and more. Uh, you know, without going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet, you can always follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And then last but certainly not least, you can find all of our regular episodes, all of our articles, our reviews, our Oscar predictions, our second annual hindsight awards that you can vote on right now. Find all of that and more on our website, popcorn diet podcast.com. But David, now it's time for spoilers. And um, <laughs> I, so there's a couple, you know, there's a couple things that like teeter the line for spoilers for me. Number one, like, for example, you know, we talk about Lord Miller, right? And Lord Miller did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, 21 and 22 Jump Street. They did the first Lego movie. They produced a bunch. They, they, Phil Lord co-wrote Spider, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Lord Miller helped co-produce Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, was, was, which was yet another animated film that subverted expectations and got a lot deeper and a lot crazier than it needed to. I think, I mean, we don't have to, obviously this is a really easy answer, but would you say that this is another successful entry into that, you know, it shouldn't work, but it does filmography of Lord Miller thus far? Definitely. I mean, I think lego movies the franchise as as a whole like doesn't seem like it should be as successful it should seems like one of those like b animated franchise that sure. like you wouldn't expect to get particularly great reviews you'd think it to be produced on a relatively smaller budget right um and just kind of aim for that like 70 to 90 million box office range you yeah. know that kind of thing basically what Nin, ninjago did right um was kind of what you expected from all of them and so to see um obviously the first one do as well as it did batman do as well as it did and you know the jury's still out on this one um it's it's surprising for sure i uh if, if anything this just gives me more like desire to see what they would have done had they been allowed to complete solo. <laughs> sure. Like who know like solo is a perfectly fine film. You and I both really enjoy that film. It's good a good adventure film, but man, what what would have a full blown Phil Lord Chris Miller Han Solo movie been like? It boggles my mind to think about. Um, we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole though. So <laughs> I wanted to talk about um, some of the cameos and some of the best like adult jokes in the film. Um, there were two that stuck out particularly to me. Is there anything that comes off the top of your head in terms of you know jokes or cameos or uh, I don't know anything about the film that that particularly struck you? you know, harder, man, it's, it's difficult. Cause there's so many, um, you know, I'll kind of do my top three here. Uh, first one, you know, I just, I just found it hilarious that of all the basketball players you could put into, <laughs> into this like world this. and get for cameos, you pick Gary Payton and Cheryl swoops. Um, Cheryl swoop makes sense. She's one of the best, uh, female basketball players of all time. Right. Gary Payton obviously is a hall of famer as well, but you'd think, especially in this day and age, like, 
you know, <laughs> that's where you'd expect like LeBron or like at least someone from like current culture or right. even like, you know, obviously like Michael Jordan or Charles Barkley sure. or something like that. Like Gary Payton wasn't really on your radar of being like um, a cameo there. And I actually looked into it. Um, why, why Gary Payton? Uh-huh. Um, and supposedly it's just that, um, I think it's Phil Lord. I can't remember if it's Lord or Miller. I think it's Phil Lord, though, um, that he's just a big fan of <laughs> Gary Payton. Um, so he just decided that they wanted to uh, put Gary Payton and Cheryl Swoops in it. And so. they straight up are like, there's that that, mo- that Gary Payton doesn't get name checked, but he goes like, you're absolutely right. Like WNBA Hall of Famer Cheryl Swoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. All right. Um I think the craziest cameo for me is the fact that they got Bruce Willis to do himself. So that, yeah, that was that was number two on my list. That's insane. Like he's he's him he's himself as a Lego guy as John McClane doing like John McClane jokes where they like find like they're crawling in an air duct and they're like Bruce Willis. Well, that was the funny thing too because after all these cameos, after seeing all these cameos, I wanted to kind of read into them more and see kind of like why why they were included sure. or if there was any story behind it. So sure. like um, in in one of the interviews, they were talking about how they started animating him actually before he even agreed <laughs> to do it. Um, and then they said he recorded in the studio and that they said like they he took it very serious uh, like bet. took the crawling through the air ducts very serious um which they said obviously just made it even funnier to them i bet um, <laughs> watching bruce willis really embrace this cameo <laughs> in a lego movie good good on him good on bruce obviously you know you have like you know, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill back as as superman and green lantern which is so funny that they'll come in to do like a like probably like four hours of voice work. Sure. It's it's obviously that putting it in that light makes it seem like not such like a big deal. Um, But it's still great that they got him. They got Momoa in doing Aquaman. They didn't get, they were going to do Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, but they couldn't get her for, because of scheduling. Mm -hmm. So they brought back Kobe Smulders uh, to do Wonder Woman. And she did it in the first film. Yep. Uh, Will Ferrell comes back. Maya Rudolph's the mom. Um, yeah, it's great. I think my favorite joke in the film is I cannot believe. And again, this isn't like the, you know, it's not like, oh, they got, you know, they got nudity in the film or they made this this really, you know, raunchy joke. It's in the, 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 the emotional like crux of the film. They're all sitting in the bin and they're all singing about how everything isn't awesome. And then Benny, who's voiced by Charlie Day, is like, wow, I think I finally get Radiohead. And then Batman chimes in like, bro, you should listen to Elliot Smith. And I cannot believe that they put in a Radiohead Elliot Smith joke, (laughs) not only in this kid's film, but in like the big song of the movie. Sure. That I laughed out loud very hard when that happened. Um, was there anything that, that came out to you in terms of jokes or, I mean, there, there's so many. Of I them. mean, I love the Abraham Lincoln joke, okay. um, which to me was just hilarious with the, uh, uh, the theater tickets comment yep. on that. Um, that was one of my favorites, but I mean, I, the thing about the Lego movie and, and this one, obviously you have the cameos that are more upfront and, and you notice, but you have even something like 
Velma from Scooby-Doo just right. randomly appearing in there. Um, you get like the Larry Poppins character. Mm-hmm. Like um, Gandalf pops up. Gandalf pops up. And so um, <laughs> it, it was just fun to, to see um, the different things. And that's why I think, you know, these movies are, are so much fun in the sense that like you're, you're trying to be super alert because, because it goes so fast. Right. Like you don't want to miss like, Oh, there was that Easter egg and there's that Easter egg, right. you know, like those types of things. Just and stuff so like surfboard um, Dave, like I'm not surfboard Dave anymore. I'm chainsaw Dave. Yeah. It's like little things like that are just so ridiculous. Yep. And that's pure Phil Lord and Miller where it's like, why is this happening? Like, why is chainsaw Dave now purgatory Dave? Um, I love that. Um, I, I do want to parlay that into kind of a serious question or a serious conversation, which is the villain of the movie, right? Yep. Now, obviously, as we mentioned before, you know, the 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 analogies to the real world are not as subtle. You know, they're going to the Sistar system. Just, okay. Um, the, the queen's name is whatever wannabe. You know, like this stuff is like not that thinly veiled in that it's clearly dealing with the sister it's clearly dealing with a sister who wants to build her own things and do her own stuff um but the big they're not the actual villains you know because that ultimately is a theme of like sharing and stuff and we'll talk about it that in a little bit but the character of rex danger fist who starts out as like a really funny like commentary on all of chris pratt's serious roles is the villain Mm -hmm. right and so that leads to an interesting conversation, you know, in that Danger Fist is Emmett from the future mm-hmm. who was turned cold and like, I got to develop this super hard persona because I was left under the washing machine and blah, blah, blah. And his whole goal is to make sure that, you know, to basically save Emmett. Like, y'all, you are young and naive and you don't need that. You don't need all those people and whatever. So... Let me ask you this, David, and maybe I'm overthinking it. I I, I, I read this on uh, TheRinger.com as well. They wrote an article about this, about how the movie posits that all of the characters that Chris Pratt plays that are like these hard asses, right? Mm-hmm. Jurassic World, Magnificent Seven, to an extent Guardians of the Galaxy, that they are actually bad, you know, mm-hmm. and that Chris Pratt should just go back to being like the lovable goofy guy from Parks and Rec, <laughs> Do you do you think there's any weight to that? You know, because obviously Rex is the villain. You know, he's the bad guy. Sure. And Emmett is the good guy. And Emmett, you know, defeats the villain by saying, like, I'm never going to go cold and hard and I'm going to always love my friends and always be, you know, positive and whatnot. And like, if we want to talk meta, 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 like that's and the fact that Chris Pratt's totally 1000 percent into doing that and knew what they were doing. Am I is are we reading too much into this or do you think there's something there? I mean I I I think I fall short of thinking like it's trying to be a full-on commentary on that. Like right. I think it's having fun poking fun at some of his previous characters um sure. and and playing that in. And and yes, it it may be to some point um flipping the script i mean i think a lot of times it's like at what point is it like oh we're we're presenting them in this other way to make them the bad guys and and to show that like 
you shouldn't be this way and like toxic masculinity and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like, and, and when is it just simply that like, Hey, we're going to flip the switch of what you're used to in that, like the like quote unquote, like, you know, lovable guy. That's not the tough guy. Like that kind of thing is the hero and right. not the big tough dude that can do all these different things and is like your prototypical, like male hero. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, I mean, you brought it up is like, is it the conversation? Like, is it a commentary on toxic masculinity? I think it is a little bit, but I it, is it a larger commentary on rather just like staying true to who you are through the tough times and not letting things like turn you hard and callous and still staying warm to your friends and be a decent person and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Because you know when when all of the uh, when Lucy is is kidnapped and and his friends are kidnapped he he thinks he needs to go to that hard place sure of, you know I gotta get tough I gotta go rescue him that kind of thing and then he you know in comes Rex and you kind of continue on that theme um but I think it also to me like more the theme that resonated than that part like that all the Lego parts were just kind of fun but I always enjoy and this goes back to some of the things that I enjoy about Toy Story the most is like how it intertwines like themes and things that you remember from your childhood and growing up into like the fabric of a story about toys. Like, um, you know, toy story had that whole theme of like growing up and, you know, different things like that, um, into like a toy movie, um, that followed the toys, but necessarily also ingrained like things that, you know, resonated from your childhood. For sure. This to me was all about like, siblings and the you know brother sister dynamic Mm -hmm. and everything that goes into there even like the mom you know being incorporated into there as far as like raising the kids like to me like they go out of their way to like once again hammer home like will ferrell's dad character as being like a total buffoon a a jerk um (laughs) in the sense that because they even talked about in in some additional interviews i read that like will ferrell was available like they could have used him more but like they specifically wanted him not to be seen on screen and just to be like that dad that like doesn't want to get involved and doesn't want to you know take part and so to me it was more the 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 themes that kind of resonated was like um you know that balance of like and you grew up with a sister and I had two sisters yeah, very like much so. you know at times they feel like your your nemesis and the <laughs> enemy um and at times like you realize that you know it's just that awesome relationship that you have with your siblings yeah this I mean particularly especially in the relationship of uh siblings and toys yeah right I this brought back a couple of memories of my sis number one um Obviously, my sister, she's been on the – Leah Theodosis, she's been on the podcast numerous times. You check out her podcast. Uh, you did it. Um, but number one, like I remember like when I was a senior, she was a freshman and she was like – Wanting to hang out with Rick and his, you know, me and my friends. And I was like so angry about it. Like, no, like this is my opportunity to be an individual, right? But it's just I want to hang out with my brother. I want to hang out with the older kids. Um and now she's like fully ingrained herself into that circle. She married one of my best friends, so she really wormed her way in there. Um, but but more so than that, um, uh, and I should give a shout out to Matt Theodosis, her husband, one of my very very best friends. Also been on the podcast. Also been on the podcast. Um, but more so than that, going all the way back to when we when we were kids, one of my earliest memories just ever 
is when she was she had to have been what what age did your kids start walking? Uh about one and a half. About one and a half. So she had to be around no, about there. one. About one. Because she was in one of those walkers, you know, one of those wheel around walker things you put your kid in. And I was playing with my uh, Hot Wheels. So if she was about one, one and a half, that means I was around four. And I was playing with my Hot Wheels and she would come in. I'll never forget this till the day that I die. She would come in on her little walker wheelie thing and just run over my cars and just like wreck my shit up. And I'll ne- <laughs> it's just a funny memory. Maybe she was one and just wanted to play with her older brother. I don't know. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I really like that theme. I mean, even if it is laid on a little thick, they play it up for laughs. Like the Queen's song is all about how like I'm not evil. Yeah. And they're like, no, this is definitely like you're lying and you're an evil person. But in reality, it's she's just terrible at communicating to her brother that I want to play with you, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that goes even to like, you know, a lot of the drama that you have, especially when you're younger, like miscommunication is such a big part of it. Like, well, we're kids. We're stupid. you're, You're kids. And you immediately go to like, they're trying to ruin my life. Like type of thing. Like, just like with your parents, when they try to like tell you to do certain things, like it was always immediately like, blown out of proportion drama of like you're just doing this to be mean or right. you know like that kind of thing versus realizing like you know with siblings sometimes it's they just want to hang out with you they just want to be with you you know like they right. just want to have fun like right um and with parents they you know want what's best for you they're trying to teach you life <laughs> lessons and all that kind of stuff and so um you know that's the stuff to me especially when you're doing a movie that's called lego movie like those are the themes that i gravitate to and maybe that's just because that's more what's on my radar when i'm talking about a lego movie sure than like talking about like toxic masculinity yeah, and like that kind of stuff everything. like and it can be both it's it's not to say that you know because one resonates doesn't mean that the other isn't in there as well for sure um i i kind of going along with that point i mean the first movie was all about creativity and everything is awesome and this one you know it's like oh we're gonna go hard we're gonna go we're gonna be edgy and whatever um and the literally there's a song called everything is not awesome and the lyrics are like Things can't be awesome all the time. It's not a real ex- realistic expectation. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try, you know, but maybe we should aim for not bad, you know, because not bad is is still be pretty great. And I think that's an interesting wrinkle. I mean, if you can, if you we, we want to get too deep into it, but it's an interesting wrinkle in that kind of going along with the same thing when you were a kid you are struggling to find your individual identity right you're, you're you're growing into who you are going to be from an individual standpoint and when people come in and screw with that whether they be parents or siblings or whatever you take that as an attack right and that's exactly what this is about in that you know the first movie was all about finding your individual creative expression right yeah and then this movie is very much that older brother who just discovered his own way to be an, uh, an, uh, a creative individual feels like the mom and feels like the sister are attacking him when in reality it's not the case. Yeah, well, and I think I think it's cool. You know, I think the themes are are definitely different, but I think it's interesting to even you know go back to the Toy Story comparisons of the first one was very much about like. Andy and the toys sure. and his creative time with them and, and that 
you know, newcomer coming in, but it was really just about like the way that he enjoyed with his toys and spending time. And the second one, like you kind of had that theme of like, things are changing, yeah. you know, like sisters are getting older and he's getting older. Uh-huh. Like this may not be something that lasts forever. And, and while this movie doesn't necessarily go to like, this may not last forever. It does go into like, things are changing. Like now there's a sister in the equation. Yep. Now there's, you know, all these other things the mom, that are coming up. The mom, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's interesting to see like, you know, how I feel like there's some, some loose comparisons that you could see, um, just in the way that like it's progressing from a franchise. Sure. Um, you know, yet to be seen whether they'll make more of these, right. um, wouldn't surprise me. Um, obviously Ninjago not doing great. And this one's struggling out the gate a little bit, um, might take a little bit of the wind out of the sails, but obviously, you know, with something like this, there's so many ways that you can continue to grow. Absolutely. Um, I think the danger that it has is if you are going to continue to go with this theme of like, um, you know, getting older, like time passing type of thing, right. like, um, that you don't fall into where it's too much like Toy Story. Cause like the third one, like where would you progress it in the Lego world? Like that, like things are starting to wind down, like right. the kids not playing as much, right. you know, like that kind of stuff. And I think that's also why maybe, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where they go if they choose to, to do it again. Yeah. I mean, again, they don't have to either. Like, well, well it's yet to be seen. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just, Perfectly enjoyable film, really. Yeah, it was fun. Deeper themes, fun to talk about. Um, before we wrap up, though, I do want to remind everybody, as usual, uh, you know, you can get regular episodes of the Popcorn Diet for free, delivered to wherever you're listening to us, just by hitting subscribe, like give us a rating, give us a review, share us with your friends, share us with your good movie buddies. Also, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Get some exclusive episodes, get first access to episodes before they are out, add free episodes. You can find all of those on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Particularly, our Twitter feed has a ton of movie news. All the new trailers that come out are there. All of the uh, awards coverage is there. Anything that you could ever hope to learn about movies, you'll find on our on our Twitter feed or on our social media, at The Popcorn Diet. And then last but, of course, not least, you can find all of our regular episodes, all of our articles, reviews, Oscar predictions, and you can go vote on our second annual Hindsight Award all by going to our website popcorndietpodcast.com but for the Canadian machine Mr. David Melhorn I am your very best good movie buddy Rick Williamson and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet Adios